0: Instead of reading three passages, I'm going to read just two this week, because this next one is rather longer than usual. I have chosen it because it feels to me, and I trust you'll understand why, as if it has most particular associations with current circumstances. Uncle Fred is meeting Sally Painter, the girl to whom Pongo was engaged, but in the intervening pages we have learnt that young Pongo has been mad enough to sever relations. Uncle Fred is hoping to get the merger jump started again, and their meeting appears to begin just round the corner from John Sandoz. On the day after restrictions from lockdown have eased, it would appear. And their conclusion is one from which I hope we might all derive some necessary cheer. It was at a quarter to eight that evening that Lord Ickenham, after a pleasant journey to London in his car and a bath, and a change at his club, arrived in Budge Street, Chelsea, to pick up Sally Painter and take her to dinner. Budge Street, Chelsea, in the heart of London's artistic quarter, is like so many streets in the hearts of artistic quarters, dark, dirty, dingy and depressing. Its residents would appear to be great readers and very fond of fruit, for tattered newspapers can always be found fluttering about its sidewalks and old banana skins, cores of apples, plumstones and squashed strawberries lying in large quantities in its gutters. Its cats are stringy, hard-boiled cats who look as if they were contemplating or had just finished perpetrating a series of murders of the more brutal type. It was a bit of luck, accordingly, for this dishevelled thoroughfare to be toned up by Lord Ickenham's ornamental presence. With his well-cut clothes and distinguished deportment, he lent to the scene a suggestion of the enclosure at Ascot on Cup Day. And he had not been there long, strolling up and down, when Budge Street had another slice of good fortune. Round the corner from the King's Road there came hurrying a small, alert girl in beige, whose arrival intensified the Ascot note. Nobody, not even Pongo, at the very height of that unfortunate discussion about the tint of his liver, had ever attempted to deny that Sally Painter was pretty, and even if she had not been, there was a jauntiness in her carriage which would have gone far to create that illusion. To Lord Ickenham she seemed like some spirit of the summer day. Watching her as she paused to tickle a passing cat, and noting how under the treatment the cat became in an instant a better, more idealistic cat, his heart went out to her. "'Oi!' he cried paternally, and she came running up, floating into his arms like a columbine. "'I hope I haven't kept you waiting, Uncle Fred. I had to see a man about a bust.' "'Oh, not at all,' said Lord Ickenham. "'Odd,' he was thinking, how everybody seemed to be seeing men about busts today.' It was only a few hours since Pongo had come charging into his study, clamouring for one. Always see men about busts. It is the secret of a happy and successful life. Sally linked her arm in his and gave it a squeeze. Oh, it's lovely seeing you again, Angel. I am always well worth looking at. Oh, how wonderful of you to come, and how brave! How did you manage to sneak away? Oh, what extraordinary verbs you employ, child. Well, didn't Aunt Jane She would say she would scalp you with a blunt knife next time you were AWOL? Oh, in her playful way, she did say something of the sort. Odd, that craving of hers to keep me vegetating in the country. But your honorary Aunt Jane is at the moment on her way to the West Indies. This has eased the situation a good deal. I thought it a good opportunity of broadening my mind. Or playing hooky. Oh, that's another way of putting it, of course. Well, let's find a taxi and go and get some dinner. There's one, said Lord Ickenham as they turned the corner. Hop in. Barrybolts, he said to the driver, and Sally closed her eyes in a sort of ecstasy. A girl who as a rule dined sparingly in Soho, she found enchantment in the mere name of London's premier restaurant. Barrybolts, we're not dressed. Grillroom, eve-dressed, not blig. But do I look smart enough? My dear, you look like Helen of Troy after a good facial. Sally leant back against the cushions. Barrybolts, she murmured. We earls step high, Lord Eckenham assured her. The best is none too good for us. It must be great being an oil. It's terrific. I often lie awake at night, aching with pity for all the poor devils who aren't. "'though I suppose you know you're an anachronistic parasite "'on the body of the state, or so Otis says. "'He's just become a communist.' Ah, oh, he has, has he? "'Well, you can tell him from me that if he starts any nonsense "'trying to hang me from a lamp post, I shall speak very sharply to him. "'Doesn't he like earls?' "'Not much. He thinks they're bloodsuckers.' "'What an ass that boy is, to be sure. "'Where's the harm in sucking blood? "'We need it to keep us rosy.' And it isn't as if I hadn't had to work for my little bit of gore. People see me now, the dickens of a fellow with five Christian names and a coronet, hanging on a peg in the hats and coats cupboard under the stairs, and they forget that I started at the bottom of the ladder. For years I was a younger son, a mere honourable. Why have you never told me this? Oh, I hadn't the heart to. A worm of an on. In Brett, yes, but only in small print. You're making me cry. I can't help that. Do you know how they... "'Treat ons, Sally. Like dogs. "'They have to go into dinner behind the Vice-Chancellor of the County Palatinate of Lancaster.' "'Well, it's all over now, darling. "'The only bit of sunshine in their lives is the privilege of being allowed to stand at the bar of the House of Lords during debates. "'And I couldn't even do that, my time being earmarked for the cows I was punching in Arizona. "'I didn't know you had ever punched cows. "'As a young man, hundreds. I had a beautiful punch in those days, straight and true, like the kick of a mule and never travelling more than six inches. I also jerked soda, did a bit of newspaper work, which was when I met your father, and I had a shot at prospecting in the Mojave Desert. But was I happy? No. Because always at the back of my mind, like some corroding acid, was the thought that I had to go into dinner behind the Vice-Chancellor of the County Palatinate of Lancaster. In the end, by pluck and perseverance, I raised myself from the depths and became what I am today. I'd like to see any vice-chancellor of the county palatinate of Lancaster try to squash in ahead of me now. It's like something out of Horatio Alger. Very like. But I'm boring you. I'm afraid we fellows who have made good have a tendency to go rambling on about our early struggles. Tell me of yourself. How are you doing these days, Sally?' "'Well, I still go into dinner behind fashion editresses, "'but aside from that, I'm making out pretty satisfactorily. "'Trade good? Oh, not so bad.' "'The cab drew up at the ornate portal of Baraboult's hotel, "'and they made their way to the grill-room. "'As they took their seats, Sally was sniffing luxuriously. "'Heaven,' she said. "'Hungry? I'm always hungry.' Lord Eckenham looked at her a little anxiously. You're sure you're not hard up, Sally? Well, not a bit. Busts are quite brisk. It's odd when you think how hideous most people are that so many of them should want to hand their faces down to posterity. You wouldn't deceive me? No, honestly, I'm opulent. Then why did you send me that SOS? What is the very urgent matter you wanted to see me about with a very underlined... Sally was silent for a moment, but only because she was eating caviar. It did not often come her way. Oh, that, it's about Otis. Oh, my God. Well, it is, I'm sorry. Otis again. The thing I've noticed all my life is that the nicest girls always have the ghastliest brothers. It seems to be a law of nature. Well, what's the trouble this time, and what do you want me to do? I'll explain about the trouble later. What I want you to do is to ask Pongo to do something for me. Pongo? I can't very well approach him direct, said Sally. There was a sudden flatness in her voice which did not escape Lord Ickenham's quick ear. He leant across and petted her hand. A shame about you and Pongo, Sally. Yes. There was a silence. Lord Ickenham stole a glance across the table. Sally was gazing into the middle distance, her eyes, or so it seemed to him, suspiciously bright, and with a disposition to moisture which disquieted him. It is rarely that an uncle is able to understand how a nephew of his can possibly cast a fatal spell, and fond as he was of Pongo, Lord Ickenham could not see him as a breaker of hearts. Yet it appeared plain that his loss had left a large gap in this girl's life. Her air was the air of one who was pining for Pongo. And it was a relief when the waiter, arriving with truite bleu, broke a tension which had begun to be uncomfortable. "'Tell me about Otis,' he said. Sally smiled a rather twisted smile. "'You needn't be tactful, Uncle Fred. "'I don't mind talking about Pongo. "'At least, no, of course I don't. "'Have you seen him lately?' "'He left me this afternoon.' He turned up yesterday and spent the night. How was he looking? Oh, very well. Did he speak about me? Yes, and when I cursed him for being ass enough to pass rags with you, he told me the inside story. About my wanting him to smuggle Alice Van Sittet's jewels into America. Yes, I was a fool to get mad. And it was all so unnecessary, as it turned out. The van Sittert decided on reflection to pay duty? No, but I thought of a much better way of slipping the stuff through. I'm not going to tell even you what it was, but it's a peach of a way. It can't fail. Alice is crazy about it. She spoke with a girlish animation which encouraged Lord Eckenham to hope that her heart was, after all, not irretrievably broken. That bright, moist look had gone from her eyes leaving in its place a gleam not unlike that of which Pongo had so disproved when he had seen it in the eyes of his uncle Fred. She is, is she? When I told her, she clapped her hands in glee. You realise, of course, that it is very wrong to deceive the United States Customs Authorities. Yes, it makes me miserable, poor darlings. Still there it is. So you and Pongo need not have split up at all. No it was silly of him to take your breaking the engagement so seriously. My dear wife broke ours six times, and each time I came up smiling. I ought to have remembered that Pongo does take things seriously. Yes, a saintly character, but mutton headed. And now he's gone and got engaged to Hermione, only daughter of Sir Aylmer Bostock and Lady Bostock of Ashendon Manor, Ashendon Oakshot Hans. Oh well do you know her uncle Fred? "'No, I've seen her photograph. "'So have I, who is in the tatler. "'She's very good-looking. "'If you admire that type of looks. "'Pongo seems to. "'Yes. "'For the moment, you might describe him as being under the ether, "'but there will be a bitter awakening. "'You can't know that just from seeing her photograph. "'Oh, yes, I can. "'She'll give him the devil. "'Oh, poor angel. "'There was another silence.' "'Well, what is it you want me to ask him to do for you?' said Lord Eckenham. "'I may mention that I'm pretty sure he'll do it, whatever it is. "'He's still damned fond of you, Sally.' "'Oh, no. He is, I tell you.' "'He confessed as much in so many words.' "'A dazzling smile flashed out on Sally's face. "'The waiter, who was bringing chicken en casserole, "'caught it head-on and nearly dropped the dish. "'Did he?' And don't forget that he still retained enough of the old affection to send you a customer in the shape of Sir Aylmer Bostock. Was it Pongo who got me that job? How like him, said Sally softly. I love him for that. Though, unfortunately, it was through my doing that bust that poor Otis's trouble came about. How did that happen? Well, to begin at the beginning, I did the bust. a uh, Quite. And during the process, of course, my sitter and I talked of this and that. "'Was his conversation entertaining?' "'Not very. "'He was rather inclined to compare my efforts to their disadvantage "'with those of a sculpture who did a bust of him when he retired. "'And the one that stands or stood in the hall at Ashendon. "'Yes. However did you know?' "'Wait, my child. I shall shortly be telling you a story of my own.' "'Go on.' "'He conversed with you, but you did not find him very entertaining.' No, but he said one thing that gripped my attention, and that was that he had written his reminiscences and had decided after some thought to pay for their publication. He spoke like a man who had had disappointments. So I said to myself, huh, a job for Otis. I begin to see. Otis took it on and made a mess of it. Yes, In a negligent moment, he slipped in some plates which should have appeared in a book on modern art, which he was doing. Sir Elmer didn't like any of them much, but the one he disliked particularly was the nude female with myself in the early twenties under it. The first thing I knew about it was when he sent the bust back. Lady Bostock brought it round to my studio with a stiff note, and now he's bringing an action for enormous damages. If it comes off, it'll smash Otis's poor little publishing firm. It's all rather unfortunate. Most, but characteristic of Otis. Oh, poor lamb, he's dreamy. Poor fish, he's a nightmare. I suppose you put up money for his publishing firm. A certain amount. Oh, heavens. Well, I'm sorry to say it, my dear, but if what you tell me is correct, any jury will give Bostock... "'Otis's head on a charger. "'I know, if the thing ever comes into court. "'That's why I need Pongo's help. "'I want him to use his influence with Sir Elmer "'to get him to withdraw the suit. "'He might persuade him to settle for some smallish amount "'which wouldn't ruin Otis. "'That would be the happy ending, of course, "'but is Pongo persona grata with him? "'Surely, I wonder.' It depends on how he has come out with that bust. Strange that Otis's future as a publisher, which I don't care a damn about, and your little bit of money, which I do, should depend on Pongo's ability to sneak a clay bust into Ashendon Manor and get away with it. Odd. Bizarre, you might say. Life can be very complicated at times. What do you mean? What bust? That is the story I am about to relate "'Have you had enough to eat? Then let's go and have our coffee in the lounge.' "'Yes,' said Lord Eckenham, when they had seated themselves in two of the luxurious armchairs which Baraboult Hotel provides for its patrons. "'Very complicated indeed. I told you Pongo came to my place last night.' "'Yes.' "'Today, after lunch, he started out for Ashendon to fascinate the old folks.' I waved him a tender farewell and thought that that was the last I should see of him for at least a week. I was wrong. He was back again in under two hours. Deeply agitated, more like a cat on hot bricks than anything human. But why? Because in endeavouring to demonstrate to the Ashendon Manor housemaid how Brazilian natives shoot birds with rude slings, he had happened to break that bust in the hall of which you were speaking just now. Oh, golly. Hello. You agitated, too? Of course I'm agitated. Don't you see, Uncle Fred? Sir Elmer adores that bust. He'll be furious with Pongo. Thus rendering Pongo in no position to plead for Otis. Yes, that seems to follow. But calm yourself. All may yet be well. His motive in coming to me was to borrow another bust to put on the bereaved pedestal in the hope that the substitution would not be noticed That was bright, yes much too bright for Pongo. It must have been the housemaid who suggested it. He isn't what I would call a quick-witted chap. I remember so well his confusion of mind when they were asking him his name that day at the dog races. He' got as far as. Twi- when I was fortunately able to lean across and whisper to him that he was Edmund Smith of 11 Nasturtium Road, East Dulwich. And what were you? George Robinson of number 14 in the same thoroughfare. Yes, I think we may safely attribute to the housemaid any swift intelligence that was displayed on this occasion. Well, I gave him a bust and he drove off with it. We have no means of knowing as yet if, if the simple ruse has proved effective, but I think we may feel reasonably optimistic. "'He tells me it is darkish in the corner of the hall where the original used to stand, "'and I don't suppose Muggsy is in the habit of scrutinising it too carefully. "'Just a casual glance in passing, and he toddles off to the garden to enjoy the sunshine. "'Why do you call him Muggsy? "'Are we always used to at school? "'Were you and Sir Aylmer at school together? "'Oh, for years. "'Then couldn't you plead with him?' "'No, I could not.' "'I was telling his nephew, whom I met in the train yesterday, "'that I once gave young Mugsy Bostock six with a fives-bat, "'and no doubt the incident still rankles. "'Pongo is the one who must plead. "'If everything has gone well.' "'I feel convinced that it has. "'He says Mugsy is short-sighted and won't spare, wear spectacles, "'and he described the housemaid as staunch and true "'and not at all the sort to squeal to the big four. "'You're a great comfort, Uncle Fred.' I try to be, my dear. Sweetness and light, that's my slogan. It was lucky you happened to have a bust, Handy. Extraordinarily fortunate. For one reason or another, Ickenham Hall has never been very well provided with them. Statues, yes. If you come to me with a hurry call for a nude Venus, I could fill the order without any trouble whatsoever. My grandfather specialised in them. Home isn't home, he used to say, running a thoughtful hand through his whiskers, without plenty of nude Venuses. "'the result being that in certain parts of the grounds "'you have the illusion of having wandered into a Turkish bath on ladies' night. "'But busts? No. "'We Ickenhams have somehow never gone in for busts. "'So if it hadn't been for you providentially leaving one in my care... "'It is not easy to rise in a single bound from a barrabled armchair. "'But Sally had done so. "'Her face was pale, and she was staring with wide, horrified eyes.' Uncle Fred, you didn't give him that one. Yes, why, what's wrong? Sally dropped back into her chair. It had Alice's jewels in it, she said. What? Yes, I slipped them in at the top of the plaster, and Alice was going to call for the bus next week and take it to America. That was the way I was telling you I thought of. Well, dash my wig and buttons, said Lord Ickenham. There followed a pregnant silence. Having dashed his wig and buttons, Lord Ickenham, though nobody could have called him an unresourceful man, seemed at a loss. He scratched his chin, he swirled his moustache, he drummed with his fingers on the side of his chair, but without obtaining anything in the nature of an inspiration. Finally, he rose. Well, it's no good saying I'm sorry, my dear, nor is there much to be gained by pointing out that I meant well. What you want is a policy, not remorseful bleatings. I think I'll take a turn up and down outside. The fresh air may assist the flow of thought, and the flow of thought would certainly seem to need all the assistance it can get. He went out through the revolving door, his head bowed, his hands clasped behind his back. When he returned some minutes later, it was with a message of hope. His face had cleared, and he was his old bright self again. It's all right, my child. This little difficulty can be very simply adjusted. It just needed concentration. You did tell me Muggsy had returned that bust you did of him. You have it at the studio? Yes. Then all is well. We will go down to Ashendon tomorrow in the car, taking it with us and I will substitute it for the one now in residence. But, don't say but, how, and don't say how. It's the sort of thing the boys in the back room used to say to Columbus when he told them he was going to discover America, and look how silly he made them feel. I'll find a way. Don't bother your head about the trifling details, leave them to me. You go home and pack a few necessaries and get a good night's rest, while I remain and iron out the one or two points I haven't got quite straight yet. More coffee? No? Then off you go. Bless my soul, said Lord Eckenham with boyish relish as he escorted her to the door. What a providential thing that this should have happened. Something on these lines was just what I was needing, to stimulate me and bring back the flush of youth. "'I feel as I did when Pongo and I started out last spring for Blanding's Castle "'in the roles of Sir Roderick Glossop, the brain specialist, and his nephew Basil. "'Did he ever tell you about that?' "'No.' "'Odd. I should have thought it would have been one of his dearest memories. "'You shall have the whole story tomorrow on the journey down.' "'Well, good night, my dear,' said Lord Ickenham, assisting Sally into her taxi. "'Sleep well, and don't worry. You can trust me to look after everything.' This is the sort of situation that brings out the best in me. And when you get the best in Frederick Altamont Courtwallis, fifth Earl of good old Ickenham, you've got something. And with that, I will say pip-pip to all our friends at John Sandoz. And I look forward to seeing you in the bookshop when, in due course, we reopen.